Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Previously on the Simply Human Podcast. So, well, here's another thing. So, Tuesday, I take the kids out of school. Wednesday morning, Jen wakes me up at 6 o'clock. Hope so. She says she wakes I was like, all right, here we go. We did it. So I take her to the doctor. She tests positive for strep. Thank God. I know. We did it. I know. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> Confetti poppers. Like something we, something we know. Yeah, you know. Something we've had, uh, had experience with. It's episode 238 of the Simply Human Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick. Two human beings. Being human, our goal was to help you understand that humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy. You can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it's Jennifer Maynard. Jennifer worked in the biotech and pharmaceutical specialty medicine areas for over 20 years. After putting two decades of her passion into changing people's lives through modern medicine, she felt her knowledge and experience would be better served focusing on food as medicine. So uh, you weren't on the call. Which we're, not. Which we're, which we're going to explain in the next you show, <laughs> because this crosstalk, we need to talk about. Oh. So, the last the, the, the episode. What? I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, what is, the we're going to talk about. I don't know. What is that? I'm unaware. So, I. Okay. I live in a rock. Yeah. So, the last episode that you, you, dear listener, either watched or listened to was the Jeff Gusky interview um, where we talk about the COVID and we talk about indoor humidity and all that stuff. And so in the intro of that show, you and I talked about us being like primary contacts and yeah. all that. And we had to court, we were court, we take the kids out of school, da da da, da. Well, so I, am I going to just tell you the story? Is that how that's, is yeah, that what we're doing just tell here? The story. So, um, the kids, you know, were exposed on a Friday. The person they were exposed to tested positive over the weekend. So they, and we found that as we found that out on a Tuesday. So because of how the timing worked, they needed to come out of school on that Tuesday, which was like the like the first weekend. It was like the first. It was September first, I believe. Uh, okay. So there were some other kids also exposed in the same way of some friends of ours. And so we were all kind of we were all in the same boat. Two of our yeah. two of our kids were primary contacts. The rest of the family is secondary contacts. But we hung out all weekend, so it's like we'll kind of we're kind of all in the same. We might as well quarantine kind of together, just, yes. so we're not just. So they came alone, down yeah. here on a Tuesday on that Tuesday night and had dinner down here. What'd you have? Uh, Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Taco Tuesday. <laughs> uh, so I usually do. Um, we do corn. Tortillas and uh, fish, pescado. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. What? Pescado. 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 Like a white guy learning how to speak Spanish. Well, what's <laughs> over? You nailed it. <laughs> so you, you named precisely what's happening. Okay, so they came down because 
the children of that family were primary contacts. The employer of the husband of that family, the the dad, they made him go get tested. He tested negative Wednesday. The wife went and tested on Tuesday, Thursday, positive. So it's like okay, now my the, the now whole, you're all po- primary. The contacts. whole family is primary contact, and we're resetting our quarantine to Tuesday from the last Friday when they were exposed, right? So it's like, okay, so I call our doctor, like a pediatrician, because me and Hunter, my son, we're going out to going out to the ranch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were going to go. I was going to take my son out to dove hunt and stuff. I called him, and I was like, do, do we go? We're going to be some, out in the middle of nowhere. Kill some of God's creatures. Yes. Didn't do anything to you. <laughs> Innocent, but that's yeah, fine. One, a bird pooped on me last couple of years. <laughs> that's a true story. So you're going to take it out on all, all birds. birds. Just kill as many birds yeah. as you can. <laughs> yeah, i the day. You pooped on Mark H. Rogers. Okay. Um, so the doctor was like, if y'all aren't showing symptoms, go. It's fine. You'll be fine. If something crazy happens, you, you'll, which it won't, you'll be, you can come home, whatever. So we go, and when we when we go out to the farm, the ranch, whatever you want to call it, I never shower. I don't. This is when you invited me, by the way. It is. So it I'm glad is. I didn't go. Oh, my God. I'm glad my social anxiety yes. told me not to. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so... We go out to the farm. We come back on Sunday, and this is this is the the part where it it kind of gets crazy. So I don't sh- I, I I come home on Sunday with my son in the clothes that I left in on Friday, right? Of course. So I, you know, I don't I hadn't showered. I hadn't even changed clothes in like classic three, Mark, like three days. Didn't brush my teeth. I, didn't wipe my bottom. I wipe my bottom. Um, <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. Moving I on. Usually <laughs> <laughs> so I get home bef- and I walk in the door. I hadn't even said hi to my daughters yet. And Jen comes over and she's like, oh, she's like, go get in the shower. You smell terrible. And I was like, I was like. I had a nickel. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, she's being dramatic. This is like my inner monologue. It's like, I don't smell that bad. She's just like, you know, like that's how you're going to greet me. Like, but you know, so, and I, and I go like, I was like, I don't even smell. And then I went. Wait a second. It's like, that's impossible. For me to not stink right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't say anything to Jen or anyone. I just like w- went into the shower and I'm in the shower and I'm like, you know, I got like the soap and I never, you know, h- how often do you like? It's like the Seinfeld yeah. thing, like the milk. You smelled it. I smelled it. What's it supposed to smell like? Like no one, you never like smell <laughs> milk. So I'm like smelling the soap and I'm like, and I got all of her little soaps. You know, she has all the soaps and everything, and I'm like doing all this stuff, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. So like, I don't think I can smell anything, and so I get out of the shower. And I spray cologne, like, like right on my arm. And I'm like, and that's when I was like, oh, crap. And so to verify, you went out in the yard and grabbed a huge pile of dog turds and shoved your face in them. I thought about doing that with a big cow patty out at the, out the place. <laughs> Gross. But, uh, and videoing it. So I go get the, co- I get the coffee beans. I smell the coffee beans, nothing. So Jen is like, get out of here, go get tested. So I go, I get a test. This is a Sunday. I, I test positive. I come home and I'm in the room here and Jen goes Monday and tests negative. So if she had tested positive, then we're just going to quarantine all together. Yeah, There's no way well. the kids can isolate from the yeah. parents for 10 days, you know? So it's like, okay, she tested negative. Pretty awesome. Um, so, so it's, <laughs> so it's like, there's two options, really, and I and no, for most people, there's one option. You got to stay locked yeah. away for ten days, right? Like I don't you, know how you do that with a family. Yeah, like you like can't literally just stay in a room and 
All right, everyone, I'm coming out to. Well, you can't even. Not come even out. that. Not even that. Like it's like you stay the heck in there. Now I'm thinking through. Like Jen's got to slide fruit roll-ups underneath <laughs> the door. <laughs> that's, like, the that's the only food. Flat enough. We like, <laughs> and on the outside of the door, there's all the other food that we've tried to slide under. It's just smashed up against the door, and I'm like they trying try to, to reach it. Fish taco, yeah. and the tortilla goes underneath there, but the fish stays on the other side of the door. So I'm sorry, the the pescado. pescado. Uh, sandwich de pescado, um, un un sandwich. Um, so That's it's how they like, say it actually, sandwich. Thank you very much. <laughs> so it's like uh, I didn't want to do that. The thought of ten days, like Josh. I did, I did one day. You know, I, from Sunday Sunday yeah. night when I got home, I watched like a couple of movies. You know, and just laying on the bed with my laptop, and I was like, this sucks. So the kicker was Jen's parents sold their house, and so they needed to like access the house that's out there that has the kitchen and the the, the bathroom the farm, yeah. and all that. There Ranch. is a cabin up there that has a couple of bunk beds and like running water, no refrigerator or anything. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go just get like a do a curbside order at H E B or something and get like instant potatoes, chunk dinty more chunky soup. <laughs> Like that kind of stuff, bottles of water, like all that, and just go out there. So Monday night, that's what I did. I went out there and I stayed out there for eleven days. Gosh. Luckily, I feel like I cheated the system. The only symptoms, like I still don't have my smell and taste back all the it's way. It's good for good for you. I still can't like smell my own farts, which <laughs> I miss. I do miss. Um, and, but like no uh, one else does. But I can smell. Like I can smell like really really strong stuff. I just can't smell like dinner cooking. Like you're like not your farts. I know. That's a weird <laughs> But it's that's like odd. body odors and like like things like that like but like uh I could smell the the waffle fries at Chick from Chick-fil-A. Hmm. Like what so I don't know. I've done some reading on it. Apparently I it's like 6 to 8 weeks before it'll come back. Um like all the way. Ugh. Um so it is it is a very weird. It's it I talked to someone else, one of my friends got it and called me to like ask me all that and he's like well i I ate some m&ms yesterday and like i i could taste those and i was like you need to like check like with something really pungent that you know what it smells like because it's it was weird like i would i would eat something and i would if i didn't know my smell was gone or taste was gone it's like the familiarity of how it feels in your mouth yeah that's what she said um (laughs) is like is enough to like kick that what kick that like that like dopamine hit or whatever it is in your brain like um it's a it's weird it's hard to explain like Hmm. um so the feeling of food like matters which you wouldn't really think it does so um so i just yeah i had limited internet access and so i went hunting out there (laughs) and i tried to uh, become one with the cows, and I like like was it was it Jane Goodall? That, you live amongst them, and you I, ate grass, and I tried to I did so. There's a video I took. I have I I probably have like 20 minutes worth of videos on my phone that I still need to edit into a little movie. But in one of the videos, I put set the phone up, and I get on my hands and knees, and all the cows are like sleeping under this tree, and I'm like slowly <laughs> walking towards them on all fours, and like at one point, like I reach down and like eat some, take some grass in my mouth, and. <laughs> And I'm like making moo noises, and then it's like I get like up to a certain point, and they all just freak out and run. <laughs> I did ride my mountain bike naked. Did really? I did. 
there's not anybody in this planet who had more fun having COVID than you. <laughs> I pretended I was a cow. I rode my bike naked. I took the seat off too. <laughs> <laughs> I changed the seat. Replaced nope. it with a screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say this. I have a friend of mine, and I told her, "Hey, you know, I got, uh, it was like, buddy of mine's got COVID," and she was like, "Oh man, that's terrible! Like, isn't you gonna die?" It's like, "Oh no, no, we're it's worth it for the jokes. We've been making <laughs> jokes nonstop for like the last three or four days about how, you know, the uh, well, when it was funny, like, change his will. Well, so that Sunday when I was like waiting, oh yeah, man, I'd forgotten about this. So I'm like, hey, everyone, like in this group thread, we're always talking about. I'm like, I'm at the doctor, like I can't smell anything. And I'm at, I'm here getting tested. And then I got, <laughs> and then I got the results and I didn't say I tested positive. I just put three of the like emoji plus signs to like, which, which was I'm positive. I tested positive, which only one other person in the group correctly deciphered. And like an hour later, no, it was like, like, it was like two days later that y'all were like, y'all didn't really I was like, no, guys, I have I COVID. Thought, okay, I didn't know the test results came back in like four minutes. Right, I thought you had right. to wait like a day or two yeah, to get them. Yeah. And so like a day or two later, I'm like, did you get your result back? And Mark is like, I can't believe you don't care about me. How do you not know? And we're like, what are you talking about? We had to scroll back. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And I guess the, the, the plus sign emoji. I guess that's what we're all going to find out when Mark gets AIDS. Too, he's just going to put a bunch of plus plus signs in the group chat. That's like, the that's the kind of see you this time. We got AIDS. What do we got here? So Checking off the list of things that I've already, I've already got. <laughs> like, well, there's only like three well, left. I will say this. Uh I feel like I am in a, me personally, like a pretty realistic space about COVID. I am trying not to get it. I'm not going, I've gone to a restaurant in forever. Uh, if I go to the pizza. grocery store. I try to go in quickly and, you know, distance and wear a mask, but we're not going any places, but it's, you know, I'm still working in the office. So I'm still around people. So I'm trying to be as careful as I can. Uh, if I get it, I feel like at some point it's, it's, it's a foregone conclusion. If, if they don't come up with like a good, widely used widely like in the next few months vaccine we're all probably going to get it at some point you know but i'm hoping that if i get it it's like you had it where it's minimal intrusion uh you know i can quarantine here by myself <laughs> it's no that part's no big deal right i'll just have somebody you know uber eats all or, or you know whatever all the time but i need um, some fruit roll-ups quick <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if you could uber eat some fruit roll-ups surely <laughs> just slide them through the doors one and by one <laughs> oh, like, and sure. just sitting at the base where the door meets the floor <laughs> oh. like, <laughs> like eating them as they're <laughs> <laughs> well, of all the flat there's like of, of all the flat foods that we that could be like That's the, the one, one the fruit, fruit roll up it's not yeah. tortillas that you're like, <laughs> like uh, all they had was a fruit by the foot sir this is gonna take a long time <laughs> why it's why gonna take forever he's like eating it <laughs> well oh. i'm glad that you don't have it anymore i'm glad that you didn't get terribly sick i'm hoping that uh that's uh, to me the worst part about it is we don't know a lot about this and so we don't know like you know long term implications i'm hoping that you know your lack of you know your lack of bad symptoms means that you're not going to have any right. you know, implications down the line right um but uh i guess uh, time to update that will make sure i get in there <laughs> <laughs> oh you're in there <laughs> you're going to leave me all your books i'm going to be like all right what do i got here 
books. You got Book <laughs> You got this one. This is an upcoming guest we're going we're going to have on. She sent me her book. Sweet. So that'll be cool. We're going to talk about that. That's an important okay. issue. Um awesome. uh, people listening to the audio version are like what are they talking about? Okay. Next week we're going to well, talk that, about. Then they should watch the video version, and maybe we can start making some money. <laughs> Next week we're gonna, in the intro. We're going to talk about why you haven't been on the last like three interviews, <laughs> and then we should be back on track. So yes. we we we're, we booked a show in like January a couple weeks ago. So we are. If we're all still alive, then yeah. We're all yeah. We're going to be booked out. So there's something else I was going to say about. Uh, anyway, let, let's get to Jennifer. Uh, she was awesome. I had a, a, a good time talking to her. Uh, by myself. <laughs> I have a really good reason, Mark. I know. Everyone I know. knows that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's Jennifer. We talked to her about oh, her birthday. Stuff. Okay. Connecting to nature, a backward focus, the pharmaceutical company, food is medicine, soil depletion, community supported agriculture, sustainable farming, good bugs, and growing things. Here's Jennifer. But just to peel the curtain back a little bit, Rick is not on the call with me tonight. Uh, it's not like we get paid for this, so I can't say that he's um, missing work, technically, <laughs> um, yeah. because the Dallas Stars are in the Stanley Cup Finals. Are you a hockey fan, being from Alaska, New Jersey? That's north. Is that <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. hockey, right? I mean, I like playing sports, but I don't. I don't have the time, unfortunately, anymore to watch much sport. I well, I did watch the Tour de France. I I was a I was a runner and a triathlete, so okay. I'm a little bit biased to those. Well, I played baseball, but let's talk about triathletes in just in just a second, in in, in uh, triathlons in just a second, not specific triathletes. Um, uh, so Rick is is from Dallas, like I am, and he's a huge Dallas Stars fan. They're in the Stanley Cup Finals. Nice. Game two is happening now. They're in the second period, and I am. I'm fine with him because if it was the Cowboys in the Super Bowl or something, like I would get it. So it. we're going to have to figure out another time to record the ins and outs after this. No but I was like, I'll do the interview by myself and, uh, you know, whatever. I understand. So um, what uh, what distances did you do? Because people, when you I say didn't... triathlons, people will be like, oh, yeah, and they don't understand. Like, no, no, no. There's like all the different levels and types of distances. Yeah, so I just did sprints and Olympic. My husband's an Ironman yes, guy. Yes, so cool. He does the long stuff. I just do short. And, yeah, I haven't done one in a while since New Jersey. The season's pretty short, and right. especially since we started the farm and been a little too busy to train. But right. anyway, right. <laughs> that's yeah. another story. Yeah, I, uh, I did, from, for like a seven-year period, I did uh, like – between like yeah i did anywhere from sprints to i did one iron man in like five or six nice. half ironmans um, i'm glad like the iron man was a great experience i i love doing it i don't i will never do another one um when <laughs> yeah. i did the iron man my plan was to do the do one like every other year like that was my yeah. but then like as yeah, you know that was my daughters were like very young and now it's just like i just don't have 7 hours to go ride a bike on saturday That's... morning and then like working out all hours of every day like it's so it's a lot of work. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I got my Ironman in. I can say that I did <laughs> got it. Got it out of your system. And we're good. So this is kind of, uh, this is up towards Alaska. This is Washington. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Some time over there. That's still I mean, like. I bounced, yeah. I bounced around a lot. I started in Alaska and then California, all the way from Southern California to Northern, then Germany, then New Jersey, then Switzerland, then back to good New Jersey. Good gracious. So bounce around a bit very cool okay so we've done like kind of the longer intro 
But I want to hear from you. And we normally do like a birthday game. We guess your birthday. And since Rick isn't on, what is your birthday? We just have to January, January 3rd. January 3rd. One of my best friends growing up um, is a January 3rd. Let's see. I'm going to put that in the show notes. January 3rd. We like to know birthdays. Rick has actually guessed a birthday correct one time of all the guests we've done. Um, so that's kind of a fun game we play. Um, so in your own words, like give us like the Cliff's Notes version of kind of like your background, your story, and how you ended up doing like what it is you're doing now. Okay. And we so, are recording and we are, let's do this. Okay. <laughs> so um, I started... I started my childhood and my life in uh, growing up in a homestead, Alaska. So we kind of lived on the land with the land, um, very connected to nature. That's awesome. And that's always stayed with me my whole life. Um, I then, when I was in kind of later middle school, we moved to California, very close to a lot of family. And uh, my uncle actually contracted HIV and battled through HIV and then AIDS in the 80s when there wasn't really. Gosh, um, that was like, yeah, either. it was like kind of like COVID now. Like everyone's like, what should we do? Yeah. Like everyone was I scared of it. Yeah. Um, you know, doctors wouldn't treat them. There was no real standard of care. Right. Insurance companies wouldn't cover a lot. So for me, that was a really life changing event <clears throat> because I was I helped. I was there for him a lot and I watched him suffer a lot. Um, so I did, I went into the healthcare industry, um, biotech was actually my major biochemistry and I focused really heavily on specialty medicines for over 20 years of my life. And I love, so you it. started when you were like not nine. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. understand the math. I'm not good at math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, but I spent pretty much my whole career doing that. Um, but I've always grown my own food. But for specialty medicines, that was my, my passion. And I really felt we needed to make more progress with acute diseases like that. Um, but as I moved up into kind of executive levels doing that, um, I got kind of a broader picture and I felt like, okay, we have made really good progress. I, I don't, I'm not an anti-modern medicine person. I think it has its place, but I feel like we have it really backwards. We spend like 80% of the focus on pills and injections and <clears throat> interventions that are using, you know, treatments that I believe are better suited for acute illnesses and, and things that we don't have other options for. And we spend less than 20% on food as medicine and lifestyle medicine. And, and that's where I just felt like we weren't doing enough to try to, for one, prevent chronic illness, but two, also to provide more interventions with, with chronic illness because we're losing that battle. Right. So where I feel like HIV AIDS, there's been incredible progress, certain forms of cancer where there wasn't much um, alternative options before, but with chronic illness, no one can debate we're losing that battle. Um, people are just getting more and more ill. We're putting them on more and more medication and we're not making them better. So the one thing I personally experienced, so I've almost always grown my own food. It's just been a passion of mine and I live a very healthy lifestyle. And I felt like, why shouldn't other people have access to this? Why shouldn't other people have more access to education on how you can first prevent that Ill illness, but also interventions. And I personally knew people affected by type two diabetes and um, really felt like I helped them get past um, a really spiraling downward, uh, you know, downward um, 
effect on their health. And so that's where I decided actually to leave that industry and start my own regenerative farm because I believe everything starts actually with the soil, not even just with the food, but the origin of the food um, and really kind of start from the ground up. And then we, I launched Nutrition for Longevity. After I launched the farm, I launched Nutrition for Longevity, which is a company that focuses on you know, curating the fruits and vegetables from the farm and turning them into something useful that follows kind of a very precise diet. And that's what I do now. Um, so I've really completely flipped um, from, you know, being in a science field. It, this is still a science field, but right. in a different way. Um, and really focusing on chronic illness and doing that with food as medicine. Yeah, there's so, God, there's so many things to get to just with what you just said. So like I, I read some in a book or something, you know, one time that like back in like the 40s, 50s, 60s, we you, you spend you know, eight, nine percent of your income on like health care and like 40, 50 percent on food. And now it's the opposite. Now we're spending Absolutely. less than 10 percent of our income on food and like 50, 60, 70 percent of our income on medicine. It's like we don't yeah. we don't understand. It's, it's like what I always tell people is like, OK, you can buy cheap food, but yeah. you're you're going to like, oh, well, I don't I can't afford to eat healthy. Well, no. OK, you're just you can't afford it. Now, you're going to pay for it. So, at yeah, some point. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I don't think a lot of people know that. So actually the U S we spend 6% per capita on food Gosh. in the U S the least of any country in the world. It's unbelievable. We spend the most on healthcare. I mean, something's backwards right. there, right? <laughs> and we're only the 34th healthiest development country. So we have it, we have it wrong. And yeah. that's why I said, I feel like we got to flip it from 80% spent on pharmaceuticals and, you know, treating um, illnesses through pills and injections. Whereas we need to flip that 80% of our chronic illnesses, we've already proven this, could be addressed with lifestyle changes, one of those obviously being food and nutrition. So there's just, there's so much that we need to be doing different. And if you go back to the 50s, there's a lot of things that were different that, um, you know, I'm not saying people necessarily had the same levels of um, longevity. There were other chronic, there were other acute illnesses that right. caused a lot of problems, but we had healthy soil or much more healthy soil. Our soil has been completely degenerated over the last 50 plus years. Um, we have pretty much decimated our soil microbiome through the use of different chemicals. And so we've lost this biodiversity and we've lost this connection with food and it's all kind of accumulating into chronic illness. And um, it's just something that I feel like we need to take a step back and really evaluate our food system and our healthcare system and go, okay, we have these really backwards. So I, I want to get to the food stuff uh, and like, like the, the farm stuff. But before that, like from, from a pharmaceutical standpoint, I, there's a book that I always talk about on the show. I, Rick would make fun of me because I, I brag about how many times I've read it and all this stuff. Like uh, it's called, it's anti-fragile. Uh, by Nassim Taleb and there's this he, he there's a chapter about what he's really talking about is that like science and, and like research and people in a lab getting paid to find medicine like that typically like if you look at over history that's not where medical breakthroughs have come from they've come from like accidents like oh my gosh like I we tried this and that actually was a side effect so huh that's interesting and then so it's like it's people just tinkering and like doing stuff instead of just like this science like telling you what to do and so the pharmaceutical company it's like or the, the industry okay take this one thing we know the side effects 
okay, that's fine. We know the side effects for the one thing. But when you add that one thing into a, a system that's that's ingesting maybe six, seven, eight, fifteen, we haven't studied how all fifteen of those things are are going to react to each other. So sure. it's like, what's the what do we do about that? What's the answer there? You know, like the system that's so ingrained and so conventional wisdom, like, oh, I'm sick. I'm going to take an antibiotic. That's like, that's, if you, if you say you're not going to take the antibiotic, you're crazy, you know, like, yeah, yeah. And we don't, it's just like with farming, we've kind of gone away from looking at things from a system approach. And we look at things in just this linear, this, just this one thing. So it's just a cucumber plant and I can just, feed it synthetic chemicals and I can keep that alive, but we don't look at the entire system, just like the human body. It's like, you know, when, when we figured out leptin was being blocked, which was causing people to not turn off their, you know, feeling hungry and wanting to eat more. So they connected that to obesity. The first thing wasn't, let's figure out how this all fits together. It was how how can we, we, right. To fix the leptin problem. Right. No, like, and so it's a cycle. If you really look at how, how our body uses food, there's other things that become the cyclical loop, this vicious cycle that our modern food system drives. And you can easily change that with just changing your diet, but instead we want a pill. And, and that was a pretty catastrophic thing because they did come out with pills and we had a lot of people suffer because of it so yeah so i think that's definitely something that is heavily impacting our health as a country it's also not sustainable if you just look at the expense of spending almost 20 percent per capita on our pharmaceuticals and our healthcare system it's not sustainable as you look at this wave of baby boomers that are that are heading um into this huge peak in the u.s it's not sustainable we have to change it we will bankrupt our country um so not only will more people be ill but we won't be able to afford it so i i try to you know tell people you can look at it at the holistic way and, and that people should live a better life but if you look at it also pure financially we just can't sustain this. Yeah. What's the so definition there's... of better at that point? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like if yeah. you can't afford or you're totally miserable, like what's yeah. the, you know, that's what I, I like my, everything that I do, this is like when I'm coaching people or talking to new, new, you know, I guess clients or whatever. Uh, it's like, I'm not doing something to look a certain way or to necessarily do anything like, and I, I had this conversation with a friend today who was talking about investing in some like some home gym equipment. Mm. And I was like, you got it. You can't look at that as like $600 that you're just throwing down the toilet. You are like, you are investing in being, and he's like my age. I'm in, you know, I was going to say mid thirties. I'm 39. Um, I'm not mid thirties anymore. That is gone. Um, but it's like you are investing in at that point being a good granddad, (laughs) you know, like I want to be strong enough that I can like get down on the ground and play around and get up off the ground and sit crisscross yeah. on the ground. Like that's what you're investing in. Like that's the longevity that we're after. And it's like, Oh, you only live once. I'm going to have donuts every meal, you know, like that's great in the moment, but yeah. that's not, get, that's not making you a better grandpa, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's no, it's, it's really, it, it's challenging. Cause we have so many, uh, I, th- I would say food temptations in our, yeah. in our, you know, um, modern food. And those are things that do make it challenging for people to make that decision. But that's where, that's where our diet, we focus on the longevity and the research behind the people that live the longest, healthiest lives. And what's, 
what's more important than longevity is the health span because they live healthy long longer right. and they're vibrant and they have great cognitive ability. I mean, if you look at the increase in um, our cognitive issues in the U S like it's frightening dementia right. now is, is showing up in, instead of in seven, late seventies and eighties, it's showing up in fifties. And, you know, that's certainly nothing I, I want to go through in my fifties. Right. I mean, I'm not that far from there. <laughs> so you got like um, 31 years to 50. <laughs> Yeah, and with right. the age, age jokes. Um, yeah. yeah, so definitely something that I think is important is I think people undervalue the importance of what we're putting in our bodies. Like we don't even think twice about, you know, eating at a fast food joint or a lot of the processed foods that, I mean, I, I was looking at a study and they were saying over 90% of food choices in the grocery store are just bad choices. Right. Like it's not even that you have 50-50, like right. it's 90% are bad. And I have some rules, like I won't go to the grocery store if I'm hungry because right. I know like this other person's going to throw a bunch of like cookies in my car. I haven't had so. the, the, the Lucky Charms in a while. That's a, yeah. that's a nostalgia <laughs> thing. I need some Lucky yeah. Charms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, when you know, I, I've, I've been around a lot of, um, you know, especially now that I'm in the food industry more around, you know, what a lot of companies do. They have food engineers that literally engineer this food to be beyond your control. So they, they take it past what they call the bliss point where um, you literally can't turn it down and you can't just eat one. You know, that's the, right. the food industry is starting to do is they're, they're getting feedback. There's too much sugar. There's too much, this too much process. So their response is, well, everything's fine in moderation. Right. 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 But they know they engineer that food to be impossible to resist. So people can't just eat one. At least most people. Have can't you read the one. Dorito effect? No. So no. it's it's a whole book about I get. Well, and it's actually, I guess a lot of those plants, from what I understand from reading that book, is that a lot of the plants that engineer the smells and the tastes are in like up in the New Jersey area. I so that, there's me. like this, there's like an industrial row of these factories oh that if you drive by, it's like, oh, that smells great over there. That's that's no. that's mom mama's home cooking, yeah. and it's yeah. just it's just chemicals, you know. It's like you take this Dorito and you put this. They have a uh, chicken and wall or chicken and biscuits, biscuits and gravy, chips. Now you know it's like that's not that's not food, no. people. No. Come on, I mean every now and then, like at the Fourth of July barbecue, like have some. <laughs> biscuits and gravy chips <laughs> but like for them don't have those like for breakfast every day you know yeah well okay so let's no, talk about they... the farming stuff okay so my wife and i and some other families that that are in this town we live about three hours west of the dallas fort worth area and so we're, okay. we're it's like it's a mid-sized community about one hundred and twenty thousand people but we have are lucky enough to have a, a csa a community supported agriculture nice. so you pay the the annual fee and we actually Monday. So today is the day that we get our huge bag of just stuff, you know, and what we love about it. It's like, Hey, what is the heck of this? You know, it's like, you're having to Google like how <laughs> yeah, to cook this yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so, but we just love that. And like, it's, you know, you pay a lot up front, but you're not having to buy vegetables at the store. Like it's just, uh, and you know that like, we know the farmer, he's a friend of mine. Like I know yeah. that he's not doing anything crazy with the soil. He's like, it's all, you know, organic homegrown. And there's just, you know, we've got three kids and there's just something about getting that stuff in your system that is like, we, I, I hate that we say like, it's like medicine. Like how did we flip it? 
Like yeah. it should be like it should be the other way. Like medicine should be like mm, this medicine is like organic vegetables, not the vegetables yeah, yeah. are like medicine, you know. Uh, and so like is that kind of what you're doing? Like what what tell me a little bit more about like kind of the farm and all that. So we do a few things. Um, so at the farm, it's a regenerative farm. We use all organic regenerative farming practices. So basically what that means is, you know, the average farm in the U.S. has less than 1% soil organic matter. It used to have 11 Jeez. back in the 50s, you know, like you talked about. And so it's, it's pretty depleted across the board. It, most of our soil has very little soil microbiome, um, healthy soil microbiome it's basically turning into dirt and there's a big difference between dirt and soil. So our farm heavily focuses on building up the soil organic matter, which is like a sponge. So it's a sponge to retain water. We can, we can retain up to 170,000 gallons of water per acre per Gosh. 1% that we increased. So all these issues with drought and not being able to water um, with fresh water um, agriculture and a lot of our agriculture hubs in the U S if we solved the soil organic matter issue, we would solve a lot of that problem. It also helps with soil erosion. So generative farms have about 700 times less soil erosion. So we're not sending our soil into rivers and then, you know, creating these dead zones in the ocean eventually. Um, and then, you know, you get that biodiversity. Plants cope with stress through their soil microbiome, just our humans do with our gut microbiome. So when you cut off their soil microbiome, they can't draw on those microbes to actually help them cope with stress. So when you add GMO crops and monocrops and chemicals, um, we're basically, we have crops that would never survive if we didn't do all these different things. Right. So with regenerative farming, you start to build that soil back up. You start to build the soil microbiome, which is the immune system of the plant. And then you start to actually have this really healthy, nutrient-rich food. You know, they say that has lost a huge percentage of nutrients over the last 50 years and th that's a lot of it is we don't have the matrix that's holding it all together that's building this healthy soil microbiome that can make nutrients available it's just like our gut microbiome we can't digest certain food on our own our gut microbiome does a lot of that right and that's what the soil microbiome does for plants is a lot of the nutrients are in the soil, but they're not bioavailable for a plant to take them up into their system. So the soil microbiome does that for the plant. So when you have a healthy soil microbiome, you don't have to add all these chemical fertilizers and, and additives and different things because eventually it kind of, you have this, this e ecosystem that's actually, again, looking at it as a system that heats the, hits this equilibrium and it doesn't need all these additional things. Right. And then on top of that, you have the side effect of carbon sequestration. So, you know, we've lost about two thirds of our carbon store in our soil because of all of this. And just over time, you slowly have that drift. And it's probably one of the biggest um, opportunities for us to reverse climate changes by regenerating the soil. And again, it's like a sponge. So it's also an opportunity to suck that carbon back into the soil. So you have all these incredible benefits of it in addition to growing healthy food to feed the human population. And, you know, we believe, you know, the reason why we say food is medicine is, is people just want a quick fix. And what we're trying to say is if you start with the healthy produce, you know, only one in 10 people in the U.S. eats enough fruits and vegetables wow. per day. Um, you know, that's probably the biggest starting point for most people is just try to get more of that fiber in your system, feed your gut microbiome, bring in some of that biodiversity 
and it can do a lot to change your life. So, so that's our starting point is how do we get healthy soil? How do we do all the different farming practices like no tillage, um, adding lots of compost. We have vermicompost, Johnson's Subirector compost, windrow compost. Um, we you actually have animals. Use, I was going to ask, do you have like pigs and cows and you have to do the rotating have, things like that? We have, yeah, we have just goats and chickens. Um, so we don't have large livestock. Um, we have goats and chickens that, you know, you, you can use a lot of their waste and their, right. at least the goats are hooved animals. So they actually break up the soil um, in a healthy way without destructing it. And then they rebuild it. So it accelerates, um, that decomposition a little bit and breakdown and, and creation of the biodiversity. So we have all those things um, that we focus on and then we have high biodiversity. So most farm, the average farm in the U S has no more than two crops. We have hundreds. Um, so, and we build up pollinated habitats, which is a really important thing to support our beneficial insects. Um, in the U S we've lost 80% of our total insect biomass, which if you look at, you know, our, just the food, our cycle of food, <laughs> that's pretty catastrophic. Right. Um, it's actually pretty frightening and most people don't even know that. So um, we do a lot on our farm to try to build that up and, and that helps us use organic practices because we don't need as many sprays. Our own beneficial insects actually, you know, take out a lot of the invasive species that we don't want. Right. So like, as an example, our farm every year, we have less and less pests. So like tomatoes, you get these big, huge tomato hornworms as they're called. And they're massive. They can eat like a day, almost a whole tomato plant. And what we notice on our farm is we, we have fewer and fewer every year. And then there's parasitic wasps that naturally showed up on our farm. And before they even got big enough, the parasitic wasps had already taken them out. So like I said, your, your system starting with your soil and then also above ground, you start to heat, hit this equilibrium where it starts to kind of take care of itself. Isn't that like... And <laughs> as an old... Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, you look, rewind, like, I don't know, 500 years or something, and just, like, go out into the wilderness, and, like, nature had it. Yeah. it they figured it out. Like, there's this thriving, there's there's hooved animals going in here, and there's compost and all this stuff, and it was, like, mm -hmm. all the, the diversity and everything, and then, like, humans come through, just like with what you do with your body. Like, your body has, like, systems to fix things, and it's, like, as soon as you cut your finger, like, our our what we've been trying to do is like, I'm going to put a bandaid on that. Well, like your body has a pretty good little system of healing that all by itself. You don't need to intervene so much. And we think go back to the land. It's like, Oh, we're going to intervene. We know more. We're going to do like, we're going to get the most <laughs> out of this. And then look what it's doing to your body and to the land. Like, it's like, that's what yeah. simply human is. Like, that's like going back to how it was like, things were designed to do. And so like your farm is like the simply, it's like simply farm. It's yeah. like it's like the human version of just the land. Like going back to how were these? How was this land like developing all this and producing all this food in, in its natural state, without yeah, all this absolutely. extra stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we say. Like we kind of say the good stuff and nothing else because I feel like that's hard now. It shouldn't be hard to get, you know, just the healthy plants. And I mean, I love that you bring up the CSA. So we do CSAs and and we do those locally and we ship them. And then we do really um, tailored meal kits. And so those are obviously more prepped than just the vegetables. Because right. some people know what to do with kohlrabi and all these different exotic vegetables. Yeah. And some people are like, I don't know. It's not iceberg lettuce. I don't know what to do with it. Right. I, it so, tastes weird. Um, I'm not going to eat this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's purple. Why yeah. is this purple? Um, 
so we we take that you know a step further and we have chefs and dietitians and they really tailor that into um what's consistent with the longevity diet which is where again all the regions of the world where people live the longest healthiest lives they actually have the same macros in common so we use those macros we use a lot of the nutrient um nutrient-rich foods that they eat common in those regions, like a lot of legumes as their protein source. Um, they eat a very plant-forward diet, so that's what we do. And then it's very, for us, it's very precise. It's an exact calorie range. And then we do medically tailored meals. And, and that's where the food as medicine piece really comes into play is um, we're launching lines of, for example, we have um, a line right now for type 2 diabetes, and it really is using all of the modern science to help people with type 2 diabetes really start to see an improvement in their lifestyle without um, you know, adding more medication on top. And right. so that those are some of the things we're really excited about um, that we're, we're moving into pretty quickly. So it started as a farm and then we launched the meal kit company and, and the two are tied together. So we can have ultra fresh, ultra healthy food really fast. So it gets to someone's door in 48 hours of us wow. harvesting most That's of our great. crops. Yeah. So it's kind of like lightning speed. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So we're coming up on time, but I want to give you some time. So talk about the book, talk about the website, like promote yourself. Like how can people find you and okay. learn more? All right. Yeah. So you can find us at nutritionforlongevity.com. Um, and you can see we have vegan, fully um, plant-based meals. We have pescatarian. So those are the most common in the longevity regions. And uh, the longevity diet book written by Dr. Walter Longo, um, he researched these regions for 30 years and came up with the longevity diet that has the exact macros. And then we also do a lot of education on what that means also from a lifestyle as far as active lifestyle and exercise and community and the things that build up longevity. Cause there's multiple pillars that really help right. um, people live these long lives. And it's in areas where people live past a hundred and live a very good life. Like I said, it's not just longevity, it's health span, right. which is what we focus on. Um, and we're just trying to, again, bring that education. We're trying to shift the needle. Like you said, we have cheap food in the U S but it's actually, um, making us very ill right. and we create these cycles in our system of, you know, insulin buildup, leptin blockage, and it, it's creating massive problems with um, weight and obesity and diabetes and heart disease. And so these are the things we're trying to really combat. And, and really, like you said, it's taking things back to a simplistic um, way. I mean, there's, there is a lot of science behind it, but if you look at these regions, a lot of them were just somewhat poor regions. They had their own local farms. Um, they didn't eat a lot of meat because they couldn't afford it. Right. Because if you look at the actual cost of, you know, commercial food, there's other effects like the environment and the overall cost. It's heavily subsidized in the U.S. So we don't see a lot of that cost. It's right. kind of artificially um, taken down. Whereas these other regions, you know, it, it was what it was. So they avoided a lot of those foods. Um, so those are just some of the things we're trying to bring into play because we now know those are, um, that's what's helped drive these people's health and almost completely void of chronic illness. And I think that's really key. Like I said, there's a financial component to it. There's the health component. And that's just what we're trying to really focus on and, and bring to people. Awesome. So I'll put that in the show notes, the nutritionforlongevity.com. Um, and now I will ask you the question that we ask all of our, all of our guests, and this doesn't have to have anything to do with anything we just talked about. 
It is. <laughs> what is something that you enjoy about life or something you do to make life more enjoyable? Like a hobby or just something that just that just fires you up? So, I mean, it's probably going to sound cliche, but I have always loved um, growing things. I just, I, I can't, I don't believe there's anything more rewarding than planting a seed in the ground and watering it and nurturing it and seeing it grow into this incredible plant that then feeds your body. I owe, and I really encourage people, even if they just grow a little herb on their windowsill, connecting with plants, yeah. I think is one of the most therapeutic things out there. Smoking your food, tasting what real food tastes like. Um, I don't think there's anything better than that in the world. So yeah. that's, that's what my passion is. That's what makes me happy. I love getting my hands dirty, whether I'm out at the farm or I even have my own garden, even though I also have a farm, <laughs> just because I, I love to be around my plants. It's my, it's my Zen um, yeah. place. I mean, we don't, we do yoga out on the farm and stuff like that, but I don't need to do yoga. I can literally just pick weeds. And I need to go check with I'm my happy. tomatoes over here. Y'all do your yoga. <laughs> I'm going to be over here <laughs> yeah. breaking off the little V thing and the thing. Uh, the what is that called? The suck the, uh, the the tomato plant has the thing like this, and then there's one that grows up, and you the have to sucker, pull, you have to yeah, pull the sucker out, yeah, not the succulent. Uh, that's something else. Um, I think there was something else I was gonna say when you were talking about growing things, garden, oh, tasting food. Oh, I was gonna say like we have like a garden. I pointed it's it's out there. Uh, it's like a little twelve by six raised bed that's got basil, nice. and you know we've tried different things over the years. Right now, it's kind of overgrown with basil. It just has taken over the, the oh, whole thing. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. Like we just have all this. It's just it's the, uh, the eating basil raw, you know. But like when you grow tomatoes out there, or we the tomatoes from the CSA that we get, like they just, I'm sorry, they taste different. They're they're just they're better. They just they're they're they don't taste like wax. I don't know like what it is, but like there's just a it's, like uh, I don't know. I mean, it it's our, I mean, our food system is designed for mass scale and supply chain. I, I right. have an operations background. So, I mean, it makes sense mechanically, right. but we pick tomatoes when they're green. My, my mom and I do a lot of canning, you know, even now. And so we used to be, she had a farm in California and um, her, the some of the local farmers would be like, you come pick the ripe tomatoes and make sauce out of them. So we're out there and I was like, these are beautiful tomatoes. What's wrong with them? And they're like, well, we've been done with the harvest for over a month now, but they pick the greenest right. tomatoes so they can transport them in their firm. And then we also, you know, seek traits that make them firm and easy to ship. And then we gas them locally. Right. And so that's why they don't have a lot of flavor. And we do that with a lot of our fruits and vegetables. Um, so they're not really picked at their prime. And then, you know, um, everything's about the supply chain and right. being able to feed, you know, mass populations with monocrops. And like, and granted that tomato that's gas and all that is, is better than eating like, an, like a Snickers for dinner. Oh, for sure. But, but for like, sure. but come like, no. like, but if you can, I mean, it's, it's like, I know like a lot of people don't have the time resources, all that, but good grief. Yeah. If you can give it a shot because yeah. not only is it is it fun and like my daughters like they love going out there and like getting their heads hands dirty yeah. and doing stuff like that they love it and they, there's something about like connecting like you said to the to the dirt and getting your hands dirty and there's also you know you get exposure to bacteria there's all sorts of good yeah. stuff that goes with that yeah, but absolutely. anyway that's good that's a good answer i can't believe 30 minutes is up um this has been great <laughs> um I, I will email i guess jimmy the link okay. Uh, this will be, it'll be, I'll probably do the audio first before I get to the video. Cause it's now that we started doing video. It's like two different things. And so 
Rick, okay. Rick is always on me about how long it takes. And I'm just like, you're not producing them. I'm doing it. It takes me a long time. So um, <laughs> anyway, so I really appreciate this. This has been great. And I'll, uh, I'll let you know when it goes live. And uh, okay. this is, uh, yeah, good luck with everything. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on at some point in the future. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. I appreciate it. All right, thanks. You have a good evening. You too. Bye. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. All right, that was Jennifer Maynard. She was awesome. We have the next couple of interviews already recorded. Um, we have Jeff Chilton on, mushroom guy, a mushroom guy. He's pretty great. We had a really good time. Realmushrooms.com is his deal. Um, I, I'm asking everyone their birthday and, and putting it down. So Jeff Chilton is the next show. And then tonight, we talked to Kirsten Beverly Waters, who is really good. She is uh, just really cool. Uh, really cool fitness and yoga and mental <clears throat> health and and uh, all sorts of great wisdom ancient wisdom stuff it was really cool um uh, uh interviews so we'll get to her um it'll be it'll be a few weeks so that is one thing that i did speaking of when i was isolating i i video produced and audio produced three shows and got all caught up and it took me like four hours one of the days i was <laughs> out there to do all six of the shows so i need to just and it's like all three got released like in a two day span. So um, everyone watch the shows on YouTube. I think that's the easiest way for us to make money. If we can start getting people to do that. Yeah. So make it all worth Mark's time. And that would be awesome if we made like a court, like we could get our first check from Google and it's like 14, cents. 27 cents. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do enjoy it though. I do like having it on, on there forever. Like I, I do too. I like seeing the, the faces. I like the whole nine yards. So you remember very quickly episode 60 uh, Santa Claus talk, which is like my favorite all time. intro. Yes. there's a, we talk in that intro about the kid that goes, you're Halen's dad. And it's the son of the guy that Chris Churchill, the guy that we yeah. knew. Mm hmm. Well, the kid that was like, you're Halen's dad back in kindergarten is like Halen's like boyfriend now. And they're like in sixth grade. So this is like six <laughs> years. High five, buddy. Yes, oh, like, yeah. Yeah, like six years later. And that kid, it's like, anyway. Um, and then I also, my, my daughters listen to the urban prank call. It's like the first time they like, <laughs> they like understand why it's funny. And they they were dying. And man, I was actually yeah. thinking about that uh, last night, and how great that was was just the simplicity of like me and you spent like three weeks trying to come up with a good prank. Still and wrong. Finally, just born out of like, we'll just call him and ask for Steve. The best is that'll piss him off real bad. This is like we do that for like two weeks. Charlie something with Charlie Brown Realtors, and then uh, my name <laughs> this is this is Steve, and you go, I, I, I'm sorry, Steve. And, and then at the end, and, and, then, and, then, and then at the end of the call, you're like, "Okay, we'll start. Sorry to bother you, Steve." And you call him Steve again. I'm gonna listen to uh, that again. It's episode. I think it's episode 103. It's around. I gotta like go listen to that again. That and, was fun. That was really, really fun. And the link. I mean, it's like the title of the show is the whatever interview and the and the, the, the urban, urban prank, prank call. call. So it's what just was like, the one we tried to do with your brother? Oh, uh, it that's it on fall. there too. That uh, we we you tried to say like you were a like wanting to do an art form and you wanted to do like a a picture of a vagina or something. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, I, was trying, that's a, I couldn't remember what I was yeah. trying. I was trying to commission him to do a painting of a vagina right. <laughs> because your brother, Jeff, Jeff, the brother is not crazy. And he's so easygoing that he was basically snipped it out in like two seconds. Yeah. But if it would have been Brad, he would have been so blinded by rage that he would have <laughs> not realized it's a prank. Right. Is Brad listening to that? No. We, we got to figure out something to do with that. That would be funny. We yeah. do. Be <laughs> ruminate on that. That was okay. episode 238. 
Uh, this has been great. That is going to do it for this edition of the Simeon Podcast. And remember... Are you a hockey fan being from Alaska, New Jersey? That's north. So until next time... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.